welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Bosho. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. I'm going to challenge you tonight, every pastor listening to me, every businessman, the time for sitting is over. Some of you have sat too long, waiting for better days and more pay. I don't know what you're waiting for. Because when you move with God, circumstances will never be ideal. As a matter of fact, when God calls you to do something for Him, circumstances are never uh, suitable. So my message tonight, Jesus runs with the runners. <laughs> All right, you know, if I was you, I wouldn't be sitting because sitting means you reset, okay? So just get up, uh, just do it, whatever, just do it. Come on, it's holiday, thousands of you are here all over South Africa. Said it many times before. Jesus runs with his runners. He doesn't sit with the sitters unless it is to have a conversation with you. Like the woman at the well of Samaria, the man of the Gadarenes, and uh, to love on you, to comfort you, to heal you. But then he gets you back on your feet and back in the game so you can change your world and fulfill your vision. The Bible says in Daniel eleven thirty two, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out greater exploits. One thing COVID did to many people, it made them complacent and it's taken them into a comfort zone. Every pastor listen to me tonight, every elder, every demon, I mean every deacon, every home cell leader, everybody listen to me. You have been sitting on your blessed assurance too long. Say Aina. And I'm not going to give you the right foot of fellowship tonight, but I do feel sometimes that people just need a little bit of inspiration to get moving. Because you are the generation that will change the world. And you're not going to do it singing, Oh, come on. Am I talking to somebody? How many of you believe that you have places to go and things to do? How many of you have some uh, uh, giants to slay, some mountains to climb? How many of you have some impossibilities facing you? How many of you have a rhema word from God? And you know it's going to take all the faith in your heart to see that word fulfilled. Well, the time is now because faith is now in Jesus' name. So let's talk about running with Jesus into 2023 and beyond as it is our year of supernatural acceleration. We already passed March. So some of us better get going. Because you never know what you can do until you get off your backside, until you get off your fat, until you get off your... Uh, 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 rusty dusty and get going so I'm going to provoke you agitate you shake you up get you out of your thumb sucking feeling sorry for yourself hiding in the wine press sitting in the backside of the wilderness doubting yourself doubting God I'm going to get you out and I'm going to get you up 
and I'm going to get you walking. And you're not going to walk by yourself. You're going to walk on the water with Jesus. You are going to expand your business. You're going to expand your zone. You're going to build that building. You're going to stop making excuses because excuses are the crutches of the uncommitted. Amen. You're not going to wait for somebody to toy toy. Jesus never toy toyed. He died for you. So, uh, yeah, I mean to offend people that are just going around in circles. No way. It's because somebody has to wake you up. Okay. Your Savior has already come. Your deliverance has come. Your breakthrough has come. Your victory has come. He never sent a politician to liberate you. He sent a Savior. So Matthew 24, Matthew 14, verse 22 to 33. Come on, come on. <laughs> I want somebody over the age of, of 50 to stand to your feet tonight and give the Lord a loud praise. I want to hear you tonight. I want somebody over the age of 40, the audience, everybody under the age of 40, stay down. Everybody over the age of 40, between 40 and 50, you stand up and you pray and you shout. Come on, give the Lord a praise. You're not going to change the world like that, okay? I want somebody that's between the age of 30 and 40 to jump to your feet and give the Lord a praise. Come on. Now watch this. Everybody between the age of 20 and 30, jump to your feet and give the Lord a praise. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wild horses. Untamed. You're not going to be civilized, domesticated. You're not going to be neutralized. You're not going to be sterilized because that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to take your passion, your zeal, your fire to channel you so that you can live big dreams and do great things for God. You are the generation that will change this world. Shout amen. If the 50-year-old wants to stroll, then you better get up, rise up, stand up and say, I'm going to be a world shaker. I'm going to be a history maker. This is my time in Jesus' name. Shout it, this is my time. And then everybody under the age of 20, jump to your feet and give him a praise. Come on. <laughs> the devil's got trouble. You don't have trouble. Satan has trouble. You keep your fire. You keep your resilience. You don't let anybody pacify you. You don't let anybody tell you what cannot be done. You don't follow an example of people that are dead, like a duck. You don't be conformed to people who say it's difficult. Difficult is in your mind. There's no such thing as difficult. There are challenges. Challenges are meant to be solved. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing. So you need to have that same exuberance, that same passion, and challenge it with God. I started my first church, not me. God led me 23 years old. Built the first building when I was 26. Built Bloemfontein when I was 29. Everybody told me I cannot do it. Started the multiracial church when I was 21. In 1988. So God doesn't need age. I said God doesn't need age because of a lot of the Older people are tired and worn out and they just talk, 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 talk. Can there be a generation that stands up like a David that says this Goliath has to come down? 
like a Jonathan that says something has to be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Is there a wild man, a wild woman in this place tonight that believes anything is possible with God? Come on, young person in Jesus' name. Don't let the example of a pastor, a priest, a politician pacify you. You get up, you dream, you reach for the stars, you look beyond that limitation of that vision and you believe anything can happen, anything can be done because God has chosen you for this hour. Amen. I mean, all the disciples of Jesus were under the age of 30, by the way. Jesus himself was 30 when he changed this world, okay? So, age is your friend. If you're young, and if you age is your friend, if you age great, youthfully, that's the active word. Amen. So Matthew 14, 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat to go over to the other side. Somebody say other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Somebody say pray. Now, when the evening was coming, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, halfway to the other side, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary, opposition to their mission. There always will be. If God gives you a word, it will be challenged. It's no easy. Now, in the fourth watch, not in the first watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they cried, they were troubled, lost their discernment, sermon and said it is a ghost immediately Jesus spoke to them saying be of good cheer it is I do not be afraid that's a word for somebody be of good cheer you have shed a tear long enough be of good cheer it is I that means God will fulfill His assignment in your life. That means that you are going to cross over to the other side. That means come hell or high water, if you're not a quitter, you're going to see the dream of God fulfilled in your life. If you believe it, shout amen and give Him a praise. Come on, they're in Cape Town. And yes, Peter Grootmond, Lord, if it's you, you command me to come to you on the water in this raging storm. Not Lord, calm the storm and then call me to come. So Jesus said, okay, Peter, come. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Because God moves when you move at a rhema word. And He walked on the water, on the waves, on the word, in the midst of a storm. Now there are many, many, many negatives out there. I don't want to talk about them. People are talking about possible this, possible this, possible this. But in every recession is the time when people lost money. At the same time, it has been the greatest opportunity for people to make money. So while other people are going down, you are going up. While other people are selling property just to get rid of it, you are going to buy property at a, a special price. While other people want to run away, you are going to the pers- be the person who stays in the midst of the storm and you are going to see God do great things in your life in Jesus' name. Say amen, I'm talking to you tonight. So it begins to walk on the water. It's always a faith journey. 
And there are also always natural circumstances we have to contend with. Finances, expenses, staff, the realities of today. Unemployment, giants, whatever it is. But it doesn't matter. Because in the midst of the storm, God says, I will bless you. I will make your name great. God says, in the midst of adversity, I'll walk you through the valley. Because that's when I will get the glory. If it's easy, then everybody would be able to do it. But in these days, you better get a rhema word from God. You better get a word from God. And you better believe that word of God. And you better act on the word of God. Because if you don't act on the word of God, you are never going to experience the power of God in your life. So Peter begins to walk. And he looks at the wind, which is boisterous. And he was afraid. A natural human reaction. And, he, and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. So listen to me. If you walk with God, failure, let me finish my sentence before you disqualify what I say, is inevitable. But failure as a permanent camping place is not possible. Everybody that ever attempts anything for God experiences failure. But failure can make you or break you. You shouldn't fear failure. Thomas Edison, after 5,000 attempts to invent the light bulb, somebody asked him, well, why did you not give up when you failed? He said, I never failed. I discovered 5,000 times how not to make a light bulb. So here it is. You should be resilient. If this doesn't work, you do that. If that doesn't work, you do that. If that doesn't work, you do that. But one thing you should make up yourself is that you are unstoppable, that you are not a rollover, you're not a state downer. You'll get back up again and you'll give it another shot. If they delay you, you keep harder. If they say you cannot get enrollment, you go study another course and you get your enrollment, but you don't give up on your dream, you don't give up your vision, you don't make the team, you don't quit rugby, you don't quit soccer, you don't quit Fersbuch, you keep on spooking, you keep on believing, you keep on practicing till that door opens in Jesus' name. Come on, because there will be opposition. And that opposition, circumstances, storms designed by the devil is to get you to quit. The moment you quit, you're finished, you're done. So Peter walks, he fails, Jesus is there. He cries out to Jesus. Jesus raises him up out of the water, walks him back on the storm or in the storm, on the waves, the raging storm, back to the boat. So he teaches Peter to walk on the water with him. A lot of people doing things at a second-hand revelation. A lot of people that follow, listen, pastors, a copycat word. If he did it, I can. Not necessarily so. Because with the rhema word of God, a revelation, a word from God to you, comes grace and special faith. That's why when you walk, you better hear God. You better know what God's called you to do. You better have an adventurous spirit. You cannot do what somebody else did and say, if he did it, I can do it. Oh, you can be inspired by that. But you have to get a word from God, fresh manner from God to walk your walk. And yes, the thing, listen, pastors, listen, Leicester. The Israelites had to get fresh manner every day. Some of you have received words from God and you've allowed those words to become stale and they've lost their power 
in your life. That's deep. Because when you walk with God, timing is everything. And God never has to repeat Himself, ever. So when God gives you an instruction, especially a kingdom instruction, it is a rhema for that moment. That rhema, fresh manna, as the Israelites had to gather, was to give them faith and sustenance for that journey. So when you get a word from God, you have to do what? Listen, you have to move swiftly, quickly. So when God spoke to Abraham to sacrifice his son, the Bible says early in the morning. When, when, when David was attacked at Baal Perizim, he acted immediately. When you hear the sound of the Lord in the mulberry trees, some of you are trying to visit an old manner word from God and you are struggling because you never respected the word and the timing of the word. Now I believe there's redemption. I believe that God will restore that word back to your spirit. But I believe if God talks to you again and you don't respond to that word, God is gonna find somebody else that will respond to that word. When I came to Bloomington, I was standing on Naval Hill, I was praying before God. God showed me revival. I saw the return of Jesus Christ. I've had quite a few visions actually. And the Lord said to me just like this, run for me or I will find another. And I stood on Naval Hill and I said, Lord, I will run. And I began to run. Just up there, I ran. I said, I'm going to run. I'm going to run for you. I'm not going to be disqualified because I'm lazy, because I'm fearful, because I'm waiting, because I'm distracted, because I lose my focus, because I wait for ideal circumstances, because there will never be ideal circumstances when God calls you. As a matter of fact, God will call you out of the boat when there's a raging storm. Come on, this is a rhema for somebody tonight. Listen. Come on, give Him a praise. Let's give a spirit of joy and rejoicing in this place. So the question in this whole story of Peter walking on the water, it's not Jesus who calls Peter out of the boat, but it's Peter who says to Jesus, Lord, if this is You, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. What is it that you still wanna do for God? What is it that you have not finished? What is it that you are not willing to lay down, which at one time was alive in your heart, but for whatever reason, that word is no longer a manna. Because if it's manna, it produces faith and gives you grace. Are you listening? Please hear me tonight. You cannot build anything on somebody else's revelation. You cannot delay the Word of God that comes to you because we walk by faith and not by sight. So God sometimes gives people a word they'll think later. Later is gone because God gives it to you now. God needs you to respond now. God needs you to move now. God wants to bring deliverance now. God's telling you to talk to your friend now. God's telling you to reach that backslider now. God's telling you to sow your offering now. God's telling you to obey Him now. There's a now word in your spirit. There's a rainbow. I haven't even started. You give me 10 minutes. There's a now word in your spirit. You have to capture it. You're just doing your job. You have to captivate it and you have to act on the now Word of God if you wanna see God move in your life. That's why many people don't see a move of God 
because they don't walk with God. You have to walk with Jesus and everything He tells you, inspires you to do. You act on that, you see that God moves through you and in you and His grace sustains you. Because His grace is for a time. Not a generation later. But if you're disobedient to a rhema word, God will find somebody else to fulfill that rhema word because of His bigger purpose for His kingdom, especially if it's a kingdom word, to a pastor, man of God, woman of God. So oftentimes while we are waiting for God, God's waiting for us to say, here I am, Lord. A lot of things God knows we can do. But until we don't overcome our own doubts, our own insecurities, and until we don't leave ourselves behind and get rid of all the excuses in our minds, we are never going to venture out of the boat and do what God called us to do. As a matter of fact, your enemy is not the enemy out there, it's the enemy. That's the greatest giant you have to slay. Your self-doubt, your lack of discipline, your lack of consistency, whatever it is, that will stop you. Because when God moves, it's not just up to you. Peter had to climb out of the boat. Peter had to be the risk taker. The rest of the disciples that sat in the boat were obviously the caretakers. You've got to be careful, Peter. I wouldn't do it if I was you, Peter. It's not time to expand. Everybody else is advising us this. Listen, when we build this building, Louis Doc Louis knows you. He's the head of our building committee. It wasn't ideal circumstances. It was a recession. And the first building we planned to build was a 2,000-seater building. Remember that? And uh, of course, I didn't have the faith and I didn't want to go through another building project. I just wanted an easy little project. Build a 2,000-seater, get it over and done with. But we knew the tent filled, 1,500, 2,000, 2,500 people. And so we expanded the building, bought more property. And when we built this building, it was a huge, huge, huge step of faith. And God knows, God knows I didn't want to do it. God knows I didn't have the faith in the natural. God knows for six months I spent time. Everybody was waiting for me. I was waiting for God to give me the grace for the project. That's just one of the things in my life until God injected the faith in me. And when He injected that faith in me, I had the grace of God to lead the building of this project and finish it cash for the glory of God uh, that was more than two rand. Back then, when everybody was advising me, it's not time, Pastor, it's not time. It's not the right time. Property is too expensive. Building costs are too high. But I knew God wanted it done because God wanted a house of influence and God needed somebody to step out of the boat to take a risk for Him. And maybe you're that person. You should step out of the boat and you should take a risk for God at the rhema word of God. Not a calculated decision. Because that's where people get themselves in trouble. They, they, they calculate with God. And you cannot. You have to obey Him. And then use wisdom in the process. So there's a lot of things God knows you can do. But until you don't know you can do them, and decide to do them, you will stay in the boat and never see what God could do through your life. So you have your part to play. That's why since I was saved, 
I chose not to run with a crowd. I chose not to walk with mediocre people. I chose not to hang out with people that don't want to go anywhere. I, 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 I decided I'm not going to walk with people that are satisfied with the status quo. I will love them, but I will not allow them close to myself because they'll steal your faith and rob you of your confidence in God. I mean, you talk to some people with all due respect. Um, and obviously, if you climb a mountain, the higher you go, the less they are. You find very few people that can actually inspire you, right? People that have big conversations. People that actually talk about great things. People that talk about exploits. And we have God, we have the Holy Ghost, and we are like, not we, many people are like floundering, struggling. Listen, listen. Young person, you at university, the whole world is ahead of you. The world is at your feet. It's what you believe that will determine your future. If you see what your friend sees, that's your future. But if you will see what God sees and you will believe what God believes, you have a great future. You have a great tomorrow. If you will work on yourself and change yourself and become a dreamer and a visionary and become disciplined and consistent and become a risk taker for God, you will be the standout person while everybody else is complaining and talking about apartheid. 20 years from now, people are still gonna talk about apartheid. 30 years from now, people are gonna talk about apartheid. 50 years from now, people are gonna talk about apartheid. 100 years from now, people are gonna talk about apartheid. Why don't you talk about Jesus Christ and say the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of me. Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. If I can believe all things are possible, God opens a door that no one can shut. Why will you confine yourself and limit yourself to the conversation of the day? Hey, you get out of that boat of negativity, out of that boat that minimizes you, out of that boat of racism, out of that boat of prejudice, out of that boat that steals your joy and your faith. Get out of that boat in the name of Jesus and walk on the water with Jesus. This is one thing I made up my mind when I got saved. I saw people do things for God. I said, why not me? Because my mama taught me nobody's better than you and I believed her. She never taught me I'm better than anybody else, but she taught me nobody is better than you. My daddy said the same. My father, he said, stand back for no one. He said, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I've given unto you. Oh, you may underestimate me. You may minimize me. You may think I'm a nobody when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s, but I knew who I was. I knew who my God was. I knew I was well able. I knew six people will become a thousand people. I knew that if you will just start the journey, that God would be there with you every step of the way. And I'll tell you, after 40 years of walking with Jesus Christ, I've not had a day, not a season, not a year, where I've not seen the hand of God and the power of God and the glory of God. God and the anointing of God and experience the grace of God. Come on, say amen in Jesus' name. It's time to get running. I said it's time to get running. It's time to get running. Time to get running, pastors. Time to get running, businessmen. Time to get running, young people. Time to get running, home cell leaders. Time to get running in Jesus' name. Some of you have been shuffling for too long. And, and it's, it's uh, I don't want to say it's upsetting to God, but... Um, God doesn't get upset, um, but I think he just looks and he thinks, what the heck? What's up with you, Gideon? 
What you're doing there hiding, feeling inferior, nursing, nursing, cursing your low self-esteem. Get out of your wine brace. The Lord is with you, mighty man. How many conversations did God have with Gideon? One. He said, go in this might of yours. How many conversations did God have with Peter? One. How many conversations did God have with Moses? One. How many conversations did God have, have with David? None. David just took bread to his brothers. Then he saw this Philistine and he said, something must be done. And he did it. And God was there. How many conversations did God have with Jonathan? None. But Jonathan got fed up with a generation that was asleep and, 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 and filled with apathy. And he looked at his dad and he looked at people that did nothing for God and he got agitated in his spirit and he said, something has to be done. And he did it. And when he moved, God moved with him. Are you listening, young person? Faith TV, it's going to be an honor to be with Pastor Ellen Beck in Somerset West. I know you'll be there as well. And uh, we love you. Um, God's got great plans for your life. Um, I know some of you can't get to church, but if you can, get yourself back in the local church and celebrate God with other believers. You have a great future. You have a great hope. God believes in you. Believe in Him. By giving yourself to Jesus, God bless you. Amen. So Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. 15 minutes and I'll be finished. Are you okay with that? Or 50 minutes? Let's vote. Listen, I'm so tired of people that, that do nothing. So tired of people that act like everything is difficult. Not tired, but like you talk to people you think, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? If you're in, 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 in a house marketing business, then go sell the house. If you're in reaching souls business, then go reach people. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? The only person who can stop you is yourself. That's why Jesus was so intentional in the three and a half years to get self-doubt out of those disciples. That's why He wasn't molly coddling them. He was actually, and I'll, we'll get into it if time permits, which it will. Um, he was actually very direct with them because He needed them to be unstoppable. Not fall over and collapse on the inside at the face of every form of adversity. I mean, if you feel like a failure, that's your choice. Have I failed? Many times. But I'm better for it because I've learned when you fail, you fail forward. When you fall, you fall forward. You fall in worship and you get up again and you give it another go. You don't go feel sorry for yourself and walk around. I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel good about myself. Make me feel good about me. I don't feel good about myself. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. 
I'm a failure. Yes, you're projecting that and nobody wants to employ you because they see that look of, of, of failure on your face. Failure is part of life. You have to embrace it and you have to learn through it and you have to become stronger from it, through it and you have to get up from the ground and you have to dust yourself off and you have to give it your best shot again. And if that's not good enough, you go back to God's gym, you go back to prayer, you go back to the Word of God, you build your faith and you go attack that thing again. If it's not moving, you do it again. If it's not shifting, you do it again. If it's not shifting, until you move it in the name of Jesus Christ. But you don't ever, especially as a man, get to a place where you crawl into a corner and you feel sorry for yourself because feeling sorry for yourself will get you absolutely nowhere in life. Nowhere. Because I'll tell you this, your wife's going to get fed up with your sad, sorry story as well. Not that you're married. But I mean, if you've had 10 jobs in the last three months, then it's not everybody else's fault, right? So people quit too easy. People quit because of, of, of weak mindsets. You have to build up through the Word of God, reconstruct your thinking patterns. And you watch two people that fight. They have equal potential. You see the winner. We've all watched a tennis game and you see the shift. The commentator said, everybody sees it. What happens? Shifting this. You talk to people you see. You see it. And you know they're going nowhere. Because they have this look in their eyes. Better get the look of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. You better get the look of victory in Jesus' name. You better change your eyes. Come on, you're a lion. You better go look in the mirror and stop seeing a little kitty cat. Stop seeing a little scary dog and begin to see, I come on young person, see the lion of the tribe of Judah. Come on girl, see yourself as a world shaker, come on. I don't care that your parents said you cannot. David's parents saw him as a shepherd boy, God saw a king. In the name of Jesus, you see yourself through the eyes of God. You straighten your back, you straighten your gait. You look your world in the eye and you make up your mind, I'm on my way somewhere. No matter who opposes me, God is for me. You get some self-respect, you get some Christ respect, you get some God confidence on the inside and you begin to change your world in the name of Jesus Christ and become an example to other people of somebody that people aspire to be. Because the question is who would like to be like you right now? That's a big one. Who's inspired through your life? Amen. So when you step out onto the water on a rhema word from God, you'll always find Jesus waiting there. Let me just say a few things about this church. Building a multiracial church back in 1988. When my pastor, I sat under said, we are not called for black people. And I knew he was wrong. I'm not talking about 1998. I'm talking about 1988. When I started the first church in Lady Brand, God said to me, build non-racial, multiracial. And my pastor said, it will never work. But I had a rhema word from God. The rest is history. A lot of white people left. When God called me to Bloemfontein and He said, multiracial, 1993, same thing. 
People challenged that. People left me, but I knew it was a word from God. I had a rhema. So I wasn't faced by the opposition. When God called me to Bloemfontein from Lady Brand, He woke me up two o'clock in the morning and He said, this move is from me because back then, 1993, 92, I had my own word and that was to move to England to start a church, a ministry in Europe. That was my word. And then the Lord woke me up. He said, no, you will send many others, but you will stay in South Africa and you will build churches all over South Africa. I said, okay, God, okay. I submit in Jesus' name. When somebody made me a huge offer in America as a youth pastor in a 2,000 member church to take over a church in America. And I was overseeing a youth group of about 60 people it was very appealing to me because I like America, okay? Everything works, mostly. And the Lord said, no, I wasn't happy, but I stayed. It was a rhema word from God. I thank God today. When God called me to expand that church to Pretoria from Bloemfontein, and I spoke to several pastors, they said, you cannot pastor to church churches and I tried to give other people the responsibility when we started here those of you that have been in the journey from the beginning every year we grew to 200 then we split then we grew to 200 then we split then we grew to 200 and we split with these little ambitious uh, people that I employed that uh, tried to take what God gave me then one day as I was sitting in a conference the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said I told you that's all God that's how God talks to me that's why I talk to you like that. Because God doesn't talk to me via Cape Town. God just says to me, you run for me, or I will find another. God says to me, mend the nets, the catch will be great. God says to me, build for generations to come. You see, I'm a simple man. I don't need a whole, uh, 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 you know, sometimes people come with letters. God spoke to them. And I wonder whether they remember one letter. God just gives me one word, go. So I was sitting there and God said, I told you. And I made up my mind from that day to fly to Pretoria and we started this church. I started coming to Pretoria. One word from God, Johannesburg exactly the same, expand to Johannesburg. Then technology, 1994, sitting in Singapore, many years ago, many of you weren't even born then. I'm sitting in a church, nobody uses technology. Today we preach to tens of thousands of people in our, in our, just in our three churches on technology, apart from television, etc., etc. 1994, I sit in a service in Singapore. And in those days, it was the VHS cassettes. And uh, Kong He, or, or Lawrence Kong, was preaching. And he went to a Mandarin service. And this was the third service of the morning. And it was the biggest service. And they put a VHS video cassette in. And I watched it and God spoke to me. I said right at the back, God said, one day you will build my church like this, technology. So when we started with technology, nobody else in South Africa, there was one church in the world that was live streaming. Nobody in South Africa. As a matter of fact, Telcom learned from us. People learned from us how to live stream live from one place to another place back in the tent. That is the truth. That is the gospel truth. God gave us a word. And I went to my friends, I went to my American friends, I went to my Australian friends, I went to my South African friends. I said, God's given me a rhema word and uh, I'm gonna preach in one place. People are gonna watch in screens in other places. And people said to me, it's never gonna work. Well, it's working. 
in it has worked for ages and it's worked for, 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 for decades because it's not my word, it's God's word, it's God's grace. That's how we are called to build the church. It's not a copycat word. This is a rhema that God gave us. And while we obey, oh, come on, give the Lord a bit of praise in that. While we obey the rhema word of God, God's grace will be there. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, don't you think the season of technology is over? No, it's a word God gave for me. Maybe one day, 500 years from now, when you put me in the ground and the worms eat me, then uh, you can change and get your own word from God. But that is our word. Use technology. Now everybody does it. Now everybody does it. Everybody streams. Everybody does it. But we were the first by years and years and years. That's why it's working. It's not a copycat word. Every building we've ever built, every major decision, every change in direction, every emphasis change in this ministry has always been the expansion, sending people to take new territory. It's always been on a rhema word. That's why it's worked. Because we've always waited for fresh manner. When the manna comes, then the time is to act. Now there's some other fresh manna in my spirit I want to tell you. It's not a threat to anybody. It is a reality. Because there are things we have to do. There are things that have to be done now. There are things that have to be done like yesterday. So we are going to fill stadiums all over South Africa. We are going to preach the gospel of Christ. We are going to see things turn around. Oh, come on in Jesus' name. We are going to see a youth revival. We are going to go louder than ever. We are going to pursue every word, every avenue that God gives us in the name of Jesus Christ to expand His kingdom. So pastoring more than one church. Now, many other people try it and they fail. And I don't criticize them, but it's not their grace. God doesn't give you grace for what He's not called you to do. So some people always come and say, I'll start a church for you. Not if you don't have the grace. We're going to launch into a building project. You better have the grace because that's been the graveyard of many pastors. You don't do it because I did it. You don't go on television because I'm on television. You better get a rhyme of word from God or you're wasting and it's not going to work. That's why people always ask me what I think. I say, don't ask me what I think. Let me hear, let me hear the faith in your voice. Pastor, should I? I've seen many people start churches and fail. Many people that got close to me preached on this platform buy a microphone, go and think I can do what he does and they fail miserably. Within six months they finished because they stepped out of their grace. It wasn't a word from God, it was an ambitious word. You better be careful with that. You start that business at a rhema word. You buy that land at a rhema word. You start that building project at a rhema word and with a rhema word you need an injection of special faith in your spirit because if you do it in the natural, it will kill you. Not physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, because you can't bear that burden because it's not yours to bear. It's not yours to bear. And I'll say this to you again. He gives the gifts, you don't. That's why He gets the glory. And if somebody does something in the grace of God, it looks easy. 
I mean, you look at those trapeze artists, you look at a gymnast, it looks attractive, it looks easy. You watch a skier come down the slopes like this. I almost broke my back and my neck uh, imitating those people skiing on snow, uh, thinking, wow, this is easy. And then you go beyond your ability. But when they do it, it looks so easy. It looks so smooth, etc. And that's exactly it. When that doctor stands from the morning till the evening and they're still fresh at the end of the day, that dentist has to look in people's mouths all day. My word. The hairdresser is on people's hair all the time and has to listen to that gossip all day. My word. You talk about grace. You cannot do what you are not graced for. But I'll tell you, if God has graced you for something, you better get ready and respond because the grace of evident will be, the grace of God will be evident upon your life. And if it's God's grace, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But you're always stressed out, you're always depressed, you always worry, you're always fighting with yourself. You better check whether you're not a square peg in a round hole. Because if it's God's grace, it's gonna be easy. Otherwise you get the glory, you can't do it. He does it through you. So Peter failed when he walked alone, and he took his eyes off Jesus. When he walked with Jesus, it was easy. Jesus walked him back to the boat. So as much as you, need, you, 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 you have to run, you have to get a rhema. And, and, and Peter actually uh, was the cause of this rhema. In my entire life, I can give you every year where God spoken to me to do something. That's why I hated covid because at least we had something to fight for the opening of the churches, etc. Because nothing about Christianity should be passive. We should never be a camping move. We should never be a maintenance movement. It's not who we are. God is not in maintenance. God is not in, uh, in, in, in just uh, caretaking. God is in expansion. God is in expanding His kingdom. Nobody should just settle. Nobody should camp. Every zone pastor should have leaders that expand territory, that mobilizes people. Every church should take new territory for God all the time. That's who we are. Every businessman should be planning to expand. Yes, at times you take Take a step back so that you can reevaluate, so that you can launch out again and you can expand, right? Like Peter, who toiled all night in Luke chapter 5, he caught nothing. That wasn't the end of the story. Then Jesus said to him, you launch back out into the deep. You get back into the ocean. And this time you let your net down on the other side. Peter said, Master, we have toiled all night. We have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we will let down the nets. And having done this, they caught a great number of fish so that the nets were breaking. Listen, God's got fresh manna for you. God's got a rhema for you. God's got a word for you. And with that rhema and with that uh, 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 word of God, there is great. Grace for you to do what God has called you. So um, we face natural storms, opposition. Sportsman, for whatever reason, he's the better player, but he doesn't make the team. Is the better candidate, but doesn't get the selection. Are you now going to quit on your dream? Are you going to quit on your vision? No, you become more determined. You toiled all night and you caught nothing. Are you going to give up? No. You're going to get back in God's presence. You're going to be revived in God's presence. And you're going to get back in that same market. And you're going to let your net down in the same water. And this time the catch will be different. But your faith has everything to do with it in Jesus' name. The minute you believe it's not working, it's not going to work. The minute you give up, it's over. The minute you quit, nothing can be done. Please listen to me. You can't just sit 
and wait. Because some of you are still at the bus stop or the train station, the train left long ago. Long ago. It's too late now. Too late now, baby, it's too late now. Too late now. Mm. So some of you need an honest conversation, especially those who are leaders of movements and leaders of churches, etc. Um, because God holds you accountable when He gives you a rhema. People don't like me saying this, but I think I have the right to say this after 37 years in the ministry. I could have stayed in Lady Bread. I could have stayed in Bloemfontein. I could have settled in Pretoria. I could have done what every other pastor does, preach a little bit, travel the world, preach a little bit, travel the world. Could have done it, chose not to. Because I'm here to expand God's kingdom. That's my calling. It's my anointing. Not your typical pastor that's going to put wax in your ears. I'm going to challenge you to be everything God knows you can be. And either you want to stay in base camp or you want to climb halfway up the mountain or you want to summit the mountain. Now God wants every person to summit the mountain. And when people camp, that's when you need a discussion with yourself. Why the heck am I camping? Is this who I am? An honest conversation, which people don't like to do. Because we like to look externally. So I'll say it again. You sit in a situation and most of you, it's got nothing to do with, you, with what you have done. It's circumstances. Peter didn't choose the storm. It's, it, it was part of life. Opposition, adversity. There will never be ideal circumstances. Never. There's never going to be the perfect day. The perfect storm, yes. But the perfect day? No. It doesn't exist. Because the minute you launch out, all hell breaks loose of opposition. And more than that, thoughts in your head, your head, that beautiful mind of yours. That's your greatest challenge that you have to conquer. Because your thoughts, your thoughts, either defeat you or launch you into victory. Your thoughts. And I've lived life long enough to know what I say is true. Your thoughts. We can blame everybody else, but your thoughts. These thoughts in our minds neutralize us. Because you believe I can't, you believe it's far enough, you believe I shouldn't, you believe um, I could, etc., etc. Your thoughts. But God created you in His image, in His potential, with His potential. In the mind of God, the sky is the limit. And I'll say this again, you cannot venture beyond God's grace. But wherever God has called you to be, is great. And wherever God has called you to go, should be a place that reflects the grace of God upon your life, which results in fruitfulness and multiplication because you are created in God's image, meaning you should be the most productive salesperson. You should be the best physician. You should be the best accountant. You should be the best um, receptionist. You should be the best at what you do. Everything about you should reflect the glory of God and the greatness of God because there's nothing inferior about you. You do not conform, conform yourself to the world and to a go-slow environment. 
to a terrible service delivery system. You are the standout person in that government department, in that bank, in client service. You are the person with a bigger smile. You are the person that reflects the glory of God. And therefore, you will be the person that will get the promotion. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. Say amen and give him a praise. Come on. So a rhema word brings grace to walk on the water. Let me finish. So I believe that great things are awaiting all of us. You can say amen. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 and 10, As it is written, I has not seen or ear heard, nor have entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. So when God reveals it, you have to pursue it and do it. You can't wait. Because waiting will cost you. If we had to build this building now, it would cost us three times what it cost us when we built the building. Think about that for a second. In a declining economy. So waiting would have cost us. Same with Johannesburg. Same with everything God calls us to do. But it has to be a word. A rhema word. Then walking it out responsibly. Not foolishly. Building every enterprise by wise planning. Common sense. Keeping abreast of the facts. Living within your means, etc., etc. Things that we have to talk about, which is common. My mother always said, uh, common sense has become a very uncommon thing. She used to say to my brother and myself, she said, what you think is common sense is not common sense to everybody. Because for, for me, some things are just common sense. But if you talk to many people, it's not common sense. They live without, beyond the means. That's not common sense. They have no budget. There's no common sense to that. They have no plan, no common sense. They have no activity. So I believe God wants to take it to another level. Well, amen, one lady up there, me and you. We're going to another level. Come a hello high water and whatever opposition. That's fine. Ministry, television, Miles Monroe prophesied. The year before he passed away, he said, we'll own television stations. He'll said, we'll own radio stations. Well, we'll go for it in Jesus' name. We are going to preach the gospel louder and bigger all over the earth. We are going to increase our level of faith to believe God to impact our world on a whole nother level. Say amen in Jesus' name. Because if we have to wait for everybody to catch up, we're never going to do what God called us to do. In your relationship with Him, your business. Come on, business people. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, business people. Business people, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, dream big. Believe God for big things. Come on, young people. You can start a company. Come on. You can start something. Come on. If you're going to dream, dream big. Why do you want to dream small if God lives on the inside of you? Come on, youth pastors. Raise your level of faith. Come on, student pastors. Raise your level of faith. Raise your level of expectation. Raise your activity in Jesus' name. So most people stay in the boat because of circumstances, adversity, comfort, which is a curse. Everybody loves comfort. That's why we sometimes need chaos to shake us out of our comfort. Because comfort is never your friend if you want to progress. 
You want to climb a mountain, you can never become comfortable. Comfortable is not, comfort is not your friend. Comfort is no pastor's friend. There's the challenge for churches. They pay the bills, they become comfortable. We're not here to pay bills. We are to take territory. We are to expand God's kingdom. We are to take a risk for God. Say amen in Jesus' name. We're not here to be comfortable. So comfort causes people to become sitters. They say the same, they say the right stuff, but there's no change in their world. The height of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Every person should evaluate their impact on a at least weekly basis, monthly basis. How effective am I? Because Jesus called me to produce consistent, effective results. John 15, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. The word much means mega. So you can never be satisfied to stay in the same place when you pursue Jesus Christ. Never, ever, 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 cannot. Because He calls you further. Talking to people in the ministry, business people I don't know. But my brother, when he was alive, he always expanded his business. As a matter of fact, while David expanded God's kingdom, God's blessing was always upon him. So in COVID, it was for me extremely important to finish that building in Umtata, which we finished. They built 15 years and we finished that building within eight months. Yes, we did. As a church, with our professional team, with our finances, we finished it for the glory of God. Yes, CRC finished the building. Let me say it loud and clear because it's the truth. It is the godly gospel truth for the glory of God. Because we needed a project. We couldn't just camp and wait for this hellish COVID to stop. We needed a project to expand God's kingdom. And we always need new territory to take for God. We cannot ever become a complacent movement because something will lift from us. The minute you become a complacent pastor, something will lift from you because Jesus never called you to a place of complacency. So some of you, my brothers and my sisters, you're going to have to get some fire in your, in, 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 your, in, in your heart. Let me be kind with you. And stop your conversation that, that's taken you nowhere. Because somehow when, when people are deceived, they don't know it. Paul says, your progress should be evident to all. So I should be able to bring up any pastor on this platform and he should talk about how he has in, uh, caused progress in God's kingdom. Every CRC pastor all over South Africa, I should get them to this platform and say, give account. How did you progress or increase God's kingdom? Full stop. End of discussion. That's it. Right? Don't be so quiet now. It's like, what are you waiting for? It's like, uh, there are three million people in Pretoria. Most of them are not saved. Go win them. What are you waiting for? What's, what's, what's wrong with you? Huh? I know it's holiday, but those empty seats up there cannot get saved. Somebody has to fill them. 
Those people in the shopping malls are not going to get saved by themselves. Somebody has to go win them. Jesus said, you go. You preach the gospel. You be the game changer. Can I continue? Well, I've got two amens. That's enough. This will change your life. So listen, especially if you're a young person under the age of 85. So another big reason people stay in the boat is, is, is fear of the unknown. Well, who knows the future in any case? Everything God ever told me to do was uncertain. And it's like people think we have a pile of money lying somewhere. And when we build a building, I just take shovels, dig it in the pile of money, and we build the building. Every building we've ever built has been with zero balance and we just started by faith and obeyed God. As a matter of fact, when we were in the Pretoria building project and remember when we built the Pretoria building, we had to upgrade Bloemfontein as well, which cost a lot of money. I don't want to throw figures here because it will unfortunately cause some of you not to be sound. Um, we had to upgrade that as well to show the people in Bloemfontein that they are not the forgotten and neglected people because they gave a lot. And then Tommy Bonnet comes along. We have one million rand in the bank. One million. That's all we had in the bank. And I said in Bloemfontein, Tommy Bonnet says, um, we're going to receive an offering for Dream Center. And I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, because I'm by the grace of God, thank God your pastor's generous. He's not a tight, what stingy individual. We are generous. Yeah, you can clap better than that. As a church, we are generous as an individual. When you eat with me, I pay the bill. Nobody pays the bill. I pay the bill. I believe it. Because a generous man stands by generosity. A stingy man has a, has a shut-up spirit. You don't want to marry a guy that's stingy. If a guy's stingy with money, you don't want to be close to him. Because he's going to be stingy with his love. Any case, I said that uh, our accountant who now lives in Cape Town, our CA that uh, oversaw the finances, is sitting behind me, and I said to him, "The other seven months, my holiday is around here." I gave my I said, "Okay, pastor." But as I walk to the platform, the Holy Spirit increases the amount, and I think half a million. And then I thought, "What the half a million? We don't need much more than half a million." And then when I took the microphone, I said, we're giving our last million. And that's the biggest offering the Dream Center ever received from a church in South Africa, paid in rands, we gave. But that released a miracle in our church. That released because it was a rhema word from God to sow in a time of need, not to hold on to everything, to sow in a time of need. And, 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 it, and it released tremendous blessing. I mean, I, if I have to tell you the miracles that took place and the money didn't come from people just sitting in the church. I had a guy once fly from Botswana. I never saw him in my life. He brought so much money. I don't want to tell you how much money it is. He just made a meeting with me, phoned me, and I don't talk to people, by the way. Uh, got a hold of me, said, meet me in a restaurant, which I don't do. Um, and, um, and he just brought this money. He said, God told me to give it to you. Him and his wife gave it left. Never seen them again. It paid the bills for three months. I could tell you story upon story upon story. The money dried up and it was a December and our bills were big, like 9 million rand a month with an income of 1.5 million rand a month. Figure it out. 9 million rand we had to pay per month. Income 1.5 million rand. Figure it out. 
Every month was a miracle. For like 18 months, eventually three years, we had to walk on the water every single month. And every single month, people came. Every single month, month money came. Every single month, people brought provision. Because it wasn't my word, it was a rhema. It was a rhema. It was a rhema. Come on, come on. It was a rhema. I didn't know where the money was going to come from, but I knew it was a word from God. Same with Johannesburg. But then it became a little bit easier because I've slain the lion, slain the bear. This Goliath will be like one of them. So you have to have a faith track record of the faithfulness of God. I tell the young pastors all the time, if you cannot reach one person, you will not reach 10. If you can't reach 10, you will not reach 100. If you can't reach 100, you'll never reach 1,000 people. So if you can't move one person, you'll never move 10 people. So use your faith till you move one. Then you move 10. Then you... Same as a salesman. I was a salesperson as well. Initially, when you start out, it's difficult. You sell a contract for a thousand rand eventually or, or something. Eventually, a big client is an easier sale than a small client because your belief changes. Hmm. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So let me run through this quickly and I'll be finished. So people fear the unknown because number one, they don't know. Like Paul the Apostle, we don't know. Yet we have a testimony. We have faith. We don't know. Number two, because they can't control it. To walk on the water with Jesus, you have to lose control. People don't like to lose control. Number three, they fear opposition. And opposition is inevitable. Everything I've ever done, I've been opposed. Well-meaning people as well. People that say, Pastor, I, I think we should not. But I have a rhema. Like Peter said to Jesus. Then I knew. And, 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 and I, what I love about Paul, it's not an arrogant statement. I'm just quoting Paul. He said, after I've heard from heaven, I no longer confer with flesh and blood. Once you have the rhema, it's settled. Because guaranteed people are going to oppose you, attack you, and try and steal the word from you. And if God gives you a word, it's going to offend people. So Paul says, once I've heard, I don't confer. It doesn't mean you walk lawlessly. It means you, 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 you selective in your listening. You don't listen with an, a sentimental ear. You have almost like a God over your ears. When people talk, you go on white noise. You, you look at them, but you just go like, okay, okay, get it over with. Say what you say, but it's not getting to my heart. I know what God said. This is it. This is my rhema. This is my word. You can talk, 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 talk. This is my rhema. Because God will watch over the rhema. Amen. You walk on the rhema. Number five, fear had to change the status quo, which we've had to do throughout this church now, pastoring it for 30-something years. We've had to change a lot of things to stay current. And every time we've taken a new turn, there's been losses. And with the losses, many more gains. So there's always the risk to lose something when you change the status quo. When, when, when we started the youth revival in Blivenine, one of my elders came, look, back in those days, I come out of the word of faith, uh, whatever you want to call it, super faith, hyper faith, thank God. Uh, there's good things in that, but there's so many extremities in that. I don't identify with any of that. So, um, or with very little of that. Um, preached evening service with a three-piece suit. How many of you would like to see that? 
Oh, you would. Okay, I'll do the bishop thing for you one night. Let's see if you listen more to me, okay? Um, and um, then God speaks to me about a youth revival. Open the doors to young people. It might sound funny. First thing God says, open the doors to everybody. And people didn't like it. Like still today, many people don't like a multiracial church. They don't like it. Let's just say it as it is. Everywhere are subculture churches. This is white people that think the same, talk the same, and they, they, they gather together. Where's that going to end? That's subculture. That's not South Africa. South Africa is a multiracial country. You cannot have a church in the city and it's not representative of all the people in the community. You can never justify it. Now, I know we're making some pastors angry, but that's just the, the way it is. You can't justify it. So, so when, 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 when black people came in, in those years, remember, um, and I say this respectfully, the, the black members that came, came from the township, came on buses, had no jobs, had nothing. Now, everything has changed because I obeyed a rhema word 30-something years ago. So some of our biggest givers and supporters are people that used to climb on the buses back then because I obeyed a rhema word that was unpopular, but it cost me, my brother. You better believe me, it cost me because a lot of white people left the church, the money givers, because they didn't like people who are coming. They say, Yo, the carcass don't need me in the cell in here. You can see who come here in the cell in here. Yeah, Jan. And then a youth revival. I didn't even preach in a t-shirt. I preached in a, in a, a button shirt like that. And um, one of my elders come to me, he was with me forever. He said, Yeah, you see, you like not in the cell in here. I said, who's sure? I said, the, the, you know, it's not the same. The anointing is not the same. I said, where's the anointing? In, in my suit. And then he said, have you seen all these young people come out they dress? I said, how? He said, the girls are coming in jeans and the people are wearing t-shirts and this is not honorable to God. I mean, the Bible says God doesn't look at the outward appearance. But it was a risk. People left. I had a guy once take me out, uh, call me to his business, and he offered me money personally if I would sing certain songs in the church and stop singing certain songs. Um, and I said, I'll never sing those songs in my life again because you're not going to buy the anointing and you're not going to buy the move of God and you're not going to manipulate the move of God with your money. I don't care how big your checkbook is. You do not finance the ministry. God is the source. God is the financier. And if you do not bring your tithe, God will find somebody else that will bring a much greater tithe than you. Thank you. You will not control a move of God with your money. You have the privilege to partner with a move of God by contributing your money to a move of God and to be blessed for it. So it's a privilege for you to give into this ministry. Let's get that straight. I've had many people offer me money to change things. Cannot be bought. That's why I take nothing from no one. I take gifts from no one, money from no one. Nobody can ever say, I gave him a car. I g people tried. Once they gave me keys to a 650 BMW. 
As they gave it to me, the Holy Spirit said, give it back. I gave it back. I said, I will not have it. Because no one will ever say, I own Ad Bosov, or I made Ad Bosov, or my money made him. Nobody will have that privilege. Thank you very much. I'm not up for sale. And I suggest every pastor in CRC, you're not up for sale. You take nothing from the people. You serve the Lord and your financial committee can pay you a salary. And further on, you can invest your money. That's it. You take money from no one. You're not a hireling. I mean, it's sick. Let me not go there. People fear the unknown because of people's opinions. Everybody has an opinion about you, by the way, not just about me. Fear of rejection and then finally fear of failure. Tommy Barnett, one of my heroes said, I should have taken more risks. Because every risk I took at God's prompting has worked. What is God saying to you? Some of you have dropped God's Word to the ground. I pray that God is gracious because I... I I sometimes in my walk with God, etc., it's like, I don't know. I think it's like your kids. We all have different relationships with them. And with me, there's just some places where I know you go with God. And if you don't listen to Him, mm, I don't know if God's going to have that conversation again. I'll be very honest with you. Very honest. He might. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not God. I'm just telling you when God talks to you, you better sit up and pay attention. And if, if God's given you a word and you've just, you know, the, why, why Samuel was lo loved because the Bible says he never let one word that came from God fall to the ground. So when it comes to God's kingdom, when it comes to issues in your life, then the word that God gives you becomes a very, very holy, sacred thing. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? So maybe if, if, a, if a person goes and say, God, I'm sorry, because I do believe it's a year of supernatural acceleration. I believe there are things that cause delays. And Isaiah chapter 60, God says, I will hasten things in its time. But, but sometimes it was the time. You know, like any farmer will tell you, I hope you get what I'm saying to you tonight. Like any farmer will tell you, the harvest is ripe and you have to harvest now. You can't wait. You have to harvest now. Some of you, you're in the midst of God wanting to do great things, but for whatever reason, you're sitting in the farmhouse. You're not in the field. You're not reaping. And Jesus said, lift your eyes and see the fields. They're white. Brother, you better get busy. Brother, you better get your focus back. Brother, you better get your urgency back. And you need to go see God. And I'll say this, perhaps God will be merciful. And God will give you a second run, a second chance with His grace at that. Because when God spoke to me, He said, run for me or I will find another. You walk with God, it's not this big game. It's not this charismatic, charismatic pleasure boat. It's a walk of accountability where Jesus holds us accountable for our lives, our generation, expanding His kingdom, and fulfilling the dream and the vision that He gave each and every one of us to do. So let me say this in closing. Every word that God gave to you is yea and amen in Christ. You 
have to take that word back and you have to cause that word to relive. Come on, say amen. You have to revive that word and you have to press into God to get the grace. And when the grace of God comes, the faith of God will come. And when the faith of God comes, everybody will see it because things are going to get moving. Things are going to get going in the right direction. Things are going to change in your life. Everybody's going to see it. Say amen tonight and give the Lord an amazing praise all over South Africa. Come on. Come on, give Him a praise. Come on, come on. Choburg! Come on, give Him a praise. Great to see the church in Johannesburg grow so rapidly. Sunday nights, great to see. Great to see, great to see. Because everything where the life of God is should be growing. Should be growing, should be growing. Should be growing. Come on. You will expand to the left, you will expand to the right. This is your time to get up and go. Your time to run. Your time to pay attention. Your time to be a runner. Come on, young girls, man. I'm talking to somebody. You are 14 year old. You're going to do great things for God. You're going to be a great physician. You're going to be a great architect. You're going to be a great political influencer. Yes, I'm talking to you. 13 year old, 16 year old, 18 year old, 20 year old. Come on, the sky is the limit. You reach for the stars in the name of Jesus Christ. You believe God for great things. You don't allow this world to confine you and pacify you and control you. You believe your best days are ahead of you and you go for it. If nobody else goes for it, you be the goer. You be the runner. You be the believer. You be the one who says, here I am. You be the standout person on that stop. You be the person everybody talks about in Jesus' name. Why not? Give me one reason why not. Why not? You've got James Centurion. You've got James the North of Pretoria. You change Equestria. Pastors, come on. Just do it. Best ad of Nike ever. Just do it. Just do it. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving. Please, no one moving. If you're standing, remain standing. Certain things you just have to do. And the first thing you have to do is give your life to Jesus. Because you can never define yourself and change yourself. And you're standing in this place tonight there in Durban, in Cape Town, in Potsdam, in Bloemfontein, in Johannesburg, in Kimberley, in one of our many churches tonight. You're standing there. And if you died, you don't know that you would go to heaven. This world is designed to rob you of everything God created you to be. That's why sin destroys humanity. This whole world system is designed to push you down and to destroy your very soul, your life, your essence of who God created you to be. You're standing in this place tonight. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. There in Bloomberg, in Johannesburg. I tell you, God loves you. God believes in you. But until you don't find your maker, you're never going to get your self-respect your dignity restored and belief because that comes from God. So every head bowed people pray for you tonight. Forget your friend tonight. Maybe you came tonight and your friend's been restless. He's been on his cell phone all night just full of nonsense. 
Don't be distracted by that foolish behavior of that person. You listen to me now. You listen to what God is doing in your heart tonight. You be the one that walk out of that boat. You walk to Jesus. You give your life to Jesus tonight. So that you can have all God created you to be. You say, Pastor, I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start. God's talking to me tonight. I want to surrender my life to Christ. Or I want to come back to Jesus like the prodigal son. If that's the cry of your heart quietly, while every head is bowed, that's you tonight. You need a new beginning, a fresh start. You want to give your life to Jesus tonight. If that's the cry of your heart quietly, wherever you are, to slip your hand up. I want to say a prayer before we close the service. Raise your hand up high all over this place. Raise it, raise it, raise it. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, bless you, many hands. God bless you, bless you, bless you. Raise it up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. See, religion taught us that we're nothing. Religion taught us that humility means you're a nobody. <laughs> Jesus never came to tame you, domesticate you. He came to direct you. He created you. And the world has taken everything beautiful away from you. Tonight you give your life back to Jesus so that you can recover yourself, so that you can fulfill the destiny that God has for you here on this earth. One more time before I pray tonight. There's a stirring in your heart. You know, religion deals with behavior. Jesus deals with hearts. And if the heart is whole, the behavior will change. That's why repentance is a result of salvation and salvation is not a result of repentance. Your doctrine is messed up. By grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God. I could never change myself. All the things I had in my life when the love of God touched me, saved me, and healed me, by the way, instantly. Sin lost its power. Everybody was talking about the sin. Jesus paid the price for the sin. And He says, I'll take the heart of stone out of you, heart surgery, and I'll give you the heart of flesh. When you get that heart transplant, (laughs) everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. I want you to put your hand on your heart. Everybody pray this. Pray with me tonight all over South Africa. God's going to touch you in your seat wherever you are tonight. Pray this and mean this. Say, Lord Jesus, I give my heart back to you. Please heal me. Heal my brokenness. Please save me. Please forgive me. Take rebellion out of my heart. Give me a heart that hungers after you. I believe that you love me so much that you died for me. I believe with all my heart you rose from the grave. You're alive, Jesus. Tonight, I open my heart and I invite you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Take your place and set my heart at rest. Thank you. In Jesus' name. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website 
at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.